You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. That's right, Bear Down Bears fans, it's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you. After quite a bit of a hiatus, and I apologize for that, a bit of a crazy summer, but we are back into the podcast realm, and, and we will be bringing you regular podcasts throughout the Chicago Bears season. Excited to be back on board. Got a special guest today, uh, Windy City Gridiron's own Danny Meehan. He is uh, of the Rule of Three podcast, also has another podcast with Jacob Infante, Lunch Pail podcast, where they go over prospects. He's going to be kind of breaking down the 53-man roster with us a little bit later. Now that the Bears' 53-man roster is basically official. And there's some strange things about this roster. Exactly what Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are thinking. I'm not sure in a couple spots. We'll go over all that with Danny. So not going to spend too much time on the 53-man roster now. Just want to get a couple of things off my chest since I haven't been on in a while, and obviously most of those things are going to be in regards to Justin Fields and what the Chicago Bears are doing with Justin Fields and when to play him. And look, I understand, and I knew the moment he was drafted that, as everyone did, that this was going to be this hotly contested subject matter, and, and no one really would have a straight answer as to what and when, what the right time is, and when the right time exactly is for Justin Fields to play. Now, most people are just going to say, just throw him out there week one, and I do get that. But I do think there is a middle ground that can be discussed here, and we as Bears fans (laughs) seem to like to take the extreme, where we're all in one direction, we're all in the other direction. But maybe the middle ground is, is, is the right thing here. And let's first start on one extreme, and that's the Pat Mahomes Extreme, And what I mean by that is Matt Nagy saying that he'd love ideally for for this to be the same curve that Patrick Mahomes had, where Mahomes didn't even start a regular season game until the final game of the regular season, his rookie year. Now, the situation there is these two teams, that Chiefs team of that season and this Bears team are completely different teams with completely, as, as far as I'm concerned, completely different realistic goals. That Kansas City Chiefs team was a playoff team that was going to be contending for the playoffs. They had Alex Smith, who had established himself in the Andy Reid system as a good quarterback. You know, I understand Alex Smith was never going to be Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, but he really thrived in that Chiefs offense and was playing very well, which is why every chance Matt Nagy has to talk about a great quarterback, Alex Smith's name somehow gets thrown into the conversation. So, 
that team had a rookie quarterback as their backup, but they had aspirations that season. Now, I know the Bears have those same aspirations, but those aspirations are misguided. And and I get a lot of tweets from Bears fans saying this was an 8-8 eight eight team. They did this and this. This team should be even better this year. Uh, this team is worse, as far as I'm concerned, in a lot of different areas. And I think the schedule is far more challenging this year than it was last year. I don't see this Bears team as really doing anything this year. I think this Bears team is a 7-10 and 10 football team. I think, you know, if you do kind of like a, a, a two-game swing from there and said, would the Bears have a better chance, if you think 7-10, and 10, would they have a better chance of being 5-12 and 12 or 9-8? and eight? I think this roster has a better chance to be 5-12. and 12. I think they will be a little bit better than that, but I am not expecting big things from this Bears team. I think they've got a lot of holes. I think this offensive line is a major question mark. I think the secondary is just going to be woeful. If this now the defensive line is good, they've got, you know, good edge players if they can use Quinn in a better capacity this year and hopefully get more out of him, that's going to go a long way. The front 7, front 4, when who's ever rushing the quarterback on any given play, they need to get home and they need to get home quickly. If the Bears aren't generating a pass rush pretty much all the time, this secondary is going to get torched. These cornerbacks are terrible. I understand Jalen Johnson, if he's healthy, is a solid corner, and that's fine. But if Jalen Johnson's healthy, cornerbacks aren't even going to have to throw towards Jalen Johnson. Kendall Vildor as, as the second already burns. I mean, these guys, the, the nickel situation is a mess. Shelly, I mean, there, there are problems. The Bears could have an opportunity to get crushed in the slot this year. I, I really dislike this secondary. Again, front seven's pretty good, but they are going to have to get home to the, to the quarterback. This defense is not going to be nearly as good as it was a couple of years ago. It's definitely going the other direction at this point. And like I said, the offensive line has a lot, a lot of question marks. So I'm not expecting much from this team. So if we're not going to have the Patrick Mahomes extreme, then the other extreme, which isn't really that much of an extreme, is have... Justin Fields out there for week one. Why they're so obsessed with Andy Dalton starting the season, I'm not sure. I genuinely don't think it's a promise they made to Andy Dalton in March. I think if they got a rookie quarterback, they knew this was the path they wanted to take. I think they believe in this path. But the question is, and we can't get a straight answer, we get the, well, when Justin Fields is ready, Justin Fields is ready answer, which... Could be week two, could be week 15. We don't know what the coaching staff is looking for within that. But if this team, because I'm not expecting much out of this year, I want to see development and growth. I don't like how they they put together this roster because to me, this is a patchwork roster where they're trying to squeeze out a win or two anywhere they can, which I think is Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace trying to make sure they are here next season for Justin Fields, hopefully breakout year in in year two. But this team needs to see development this year with key young players that can start getting elevated into key positions in 2022. And that goes beyond Justin Fields. So in terms of the Bears and this season and when to play Justin Fields, if they sit him a few games the first three, four games of the season, 
and they use that time to continue to get him to be familiarized with the playbook. And if they use that time for him to see actual game film of this offense that he's going to be taking over in the regular season with Andy Dalton running the team and can use that film to help educate himself, I'm all for that. And I'll use this example in the uh, in the preseason game when Fields had his helmet popped off. And of course, that makes all the rounds on social media that this offensive line is going to get Justin Fields killed. Now, the offensive line is bad. I'm not defending the offensive line, but when you look at that play, that play, now again, we don't know the exact assignments of everybody. That play was most likely on Justin Fields. And, and here's why I say that. First of all, there is a chance that Khalil Herbert messed up his assignment. He jumped out into the flat. If you watch the replay, he jumps out into the flat and he, you know, he doesn't block anyone along the way. Was he supposed to chip an edge rusher on his way out there? I, I don't know. But if he didn't miss the assignment, then basically what happened is the bear set a man in motion and the defender went with him. So you've got man coverage up front and Justin Fields did not recognize that there were two defenders stacked up on the receiver on the right. And what that means is one of those defenders is coming. You're not sure exactly which one, but one of those defenders is coming. Most likely the one up front, that's exactly what happened. There was no line adjustment call. The line stepped left, which meant there was no one available to block the, 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 the rusher on the right, and he came through untouched. Fields needs to recognize that, and Fields is the one that needs to change the line call up front to protect himself. He didn't do that. He missed that, and he got himself crushed. That's the kind of stuff that coaches cringe at because that's something that could have been avoided if Fields recognized it, but the rookie made a mistake, which of course is going to happen. That's fine, but obviously we don't want mistakes crushing him, getting him potentially injured, and you don't want him missing multiple games due to injury, of course. So I kind of get where, where Nagy and the Bears are coming from here, but just the, you know, the, the secrecy and, and the veiled comments, it's just, it's just frustrating how this team operates because they, they think they're the New England Patriots, but they have absolutely nothing to back that up with because they have had very little success. And this goes before Matt Nagy. This honestly goes before Ryan Pace. This team thinks that they, they can't tell you anything because any little bit of information comes out is going to be a competitive disadvantage, but just settle down. But that's just how this team operates. It's just how frustrating they are. They, they don't want the fans in on much. They don't want the media in on much. And that's, that's just how Ryan Pace is going to continue to operate and potentially how this team's going to continue to operate as long as they are owned by the McCaskies. Because like I said, this seems to have gone on well, well, well before Ryan Pace got here. It seems to have gotten worse since Ryan Pace has gotten here, but this team just does not want to communicate straightforward about anything. So for me, if to, to me, and I've said this on Twitter, Justin Fields needs to start week four against Detroit. It's a home game. He's got Detroit. Then he's got Vegas. Those are two good teams to start off against, to start your career against before you move forward into what is a tough stretch for the Chicago Bears. 
And not that you can't have your quarterback start in a tough stretch, your rookie quarterback, but you'd like to see him get his feet wet with some opponents that aren't impossible. So to me, that's the smartest move that the Bears can make. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm hoping that's the case. It makes a lot of sense to me. It gives Fields an extra month and some extra film to study because he's he's ready, right? I mean, you just watch him have command of the, the game the way he does, the way he he step drops back, the way he feels pressure, moves around, his accuracy. We, we see it. We see it there. So if Fields is out there week four in a season where I don't expect them to have much in the win total, that's fine with me because I'm worried about Justin Fields' career, not what the 2021 Chicago Bears are doing. But if they sit him much longer than that, if he's not coming out until the second half of the season, end of the season like Patrick Mahomes, that's going to bother me in many ways. And the only way I really see that happening is if Andy Dalton is just fantastic. If Andy Dalton winds back the clock, throws 30 touchdowns and six or seven interceptions, throws for 4,000 yards, has the greatest season of any quarterback in Chicago Bears history, you're not going to be able to bench Andy Dalton. That's going to be really difficult to do because if that's happening, the Chicago Bears are most likely winning football games, at least enough to be in playoff contention. And should Dalton's play really come into it? No. But if that's happening, that is going to come into it. Just the odds of that happening are so low. It's just really not something that I would consider to even be remotely, remotely possible. We've seen what Andy Dalton is the last couple of years. He's not a very good quarterback anymore. He could be a little bit better in this system with a little more support around him. But I'm not expecting much. Andy Dalton is who he is at this point. He was never great. He was once pretty good. He's now mediocre, and, and that's what it is. So to me, that's what they need to do with Fields. That's the most likely uh, scenario I'm hoping is that he just sits for a few games. But we're going to see exactly what Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have in, have in order for the kid. I know he said all the right things about supporting this coaching staff, but if he's on the bench for too much longer than a few games, you have to think Justin Fields, at least internally, is going to be getting quite frustrated as well. So let's take a quick break. I just wanted to get uh, my thoughts out there on Justin Fields because I, you know, we'll spend some time on that with with Danny. But I really want to spend some time really looking at this 53-man roster overall, the decisions they made, some of the tweaks they made, you know, after the 53-man roster was announced. So we're going to break all that with him, break down all that with him next. This is Bears Banter. We'll be right back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. 
Do more with Viator. All right. Welcome back into the podcast. Uh, Time to bring on our guest for today's podcast. He is Danny Meehan. You can hear him on Rule of Three every week during the football season on the WCG podcast channel. You can also hear Lunch Pail, where he breaks down prospects. You can catch that on the WCG channel as well. First time on the podcast. Excited to have him on. Danny, how are you doing? Doing pretty well, Bill. You know, just making it through a long weekend with the uh, lovely lady and kind of just getting ready to get back through the, get back to work tomorrow at the firehouse. How about yourself? Uh, just trying to make sense of some of the decisions these Chicago bears made. And he's at Dan Meehan 90, by the way, on Twitter. So if you're not following Dan, you're not doing it right. So, so pick him up and uh, give him a follow, but Dan, let's, let's just jump right into this 53 man roster. I was surprised that a lot of the things they did, Again, I'm not going to go crazy over, you know, the 51st, 52nd, 53rd guy in the roster, but some of the makeup of this roster was a little puzzling. Let's start at wide receiver because I think that group is interesting. I think everyone was really confident about the top four wide receivers between A-Rob, between Newsom, I'm sorry, between Newsom, uh, Mooney, Bird, and Goodwin. I think everyone had confidence there. And I think for the most part, People thought Daz Newsom and Rodney Adams had a good chance to, to round out uh, the wide receiver group. That didn't happen. Bears make a, a couple of moves. One isn't official yet with, uh, with Perriman. That's probably going to be official tomorrow. But what do you think of the decisions the Bears made at wide receiver on the back half of the group, including putting Daz Newsom on the practice squad? So, I mean, I don't think it's any secret to anyone who follows me on Twitter. I, I was on record as saying I – not that I thought he was better, but I enjoyed him more than I enjoyed his teammate that got drafted before him, whose name is escaping me for some strange reason. Um, but he he has his issues, and I think he was actually really hurt by that broken clavicle or collarbone earlier in the offseason during OTAs. Um, he, I mean, he's not a great athlete. He's got stuff to work on like anything else. It's a nice stash on the on the practice squad. I, I was – I was very uh, happy to see they let go of both former draft picks and Javon Wims and Riley Ridley. It was just time to cut bait and move on and see what else is there. Um, and I mean, the, the addition of Brashad Perriman inevitably is going to come. And I think it is what it is. It's a, it's an attempt to win now and add to the wide receiver group. Cause like you said, the top four is already kind of set when you talk about, Allen Robinson, Darnell Moody, Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird. He's kind of just another one of those guys that's being added in terms of, you know what the type is now, speed. But, I mean, really, go through the names I just listed. Mooney's 4-4, Goodwin's 4-3. Uh, Demir Bird, I believe, is sub-4-3 from his time coming out of college. So it's like they've all of a sudden gone from kind of slow and clunky to more of a track team, kind of in the vein of what Andy Reid is doing in Kansas City. Yeah, that speed is definitely not a problem anymore. Speed's been a problem on this team for a long time. They've been adding a lot of speed. But let's take a minute since you brought up Wims and Ridley, because those are two guys that I think Bears fans were really excited about. I mean, Wims was just a seventh-round flyer, but he really showed some splashes mm-hmm. early in his rookie season. Things never really got together for Wims, and Ridley could never even get himself on the field. I don't know if Ridley really never was active because he clearly couldn't contribute on special teams. 
But those are two guys, and Ridley in particular, who I think, you know, when, when he was drafted fourth round pick, a lot of the experts, I remember Daniel Jeremiah being like, this is one of the steals of the draft. This is a great selection at this point. Ridley never put it together. It's hard to ask this question when there was so little actual tape on him, but what do you think was missing from, from Ridley? And are you surprised at all about Wims never building on his rookie season, or at least that first, that early part of the rookie season? Um, I think Wims was kind of a product of people thought he was better than he was because of the pro football focus ranking. I think he was inside their top 100 prospects when he came out. So when he um, got picked so late in the draft, everyone assumed he was probably a lot better than he was because it's all based on analytics when they create their board and their grades and everything like that. Um, I wasn't really shocked. I think it was more so the fact that Wims isn't a great athlete and he was never a pristine route runner. He was kind of just bigger and stronger than you. So he would win at the point of attack, which in the NFL, as you well know, Bill, everyone's big and strong. It's not like you just show up and you're like, Hey, I'm going to push you around unless you're like Mike Evans level of strength and size at the wide receiver position. Um, I am a little more shocked by Ridley never coming together because I remember vividly when he came out, you know, similar situation, both another UGA guy coming out. I believe he was actually Wims' teammate at some point down there too, but pristine route runner. His brother was in the league solid, not great athlete. You know, it's one of those things you saw him and it's like, if there was the makings of a guy who could have outperformed his draft position, it was him. Unfortunately, I think we in the armchair draft community overrated what he did and under and, and overlooked certain things that he didn't do so well namely being a great athlete. He doesn't do anything on special teams. And that kills you when you're not one of the top four wide receivers. If you're not a gunner or a return guy or playing every phase of special teams in some facet, you're kind of, you better, you better be a damn good wide receiver. And he wasn't. So it, he kind of got caught in that weird wasteland of what do we do with this guy? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I said it, you said it, there's not being able to play special teams when you're that wide receiver five wide receiver six can just be crushing, just crushing to your, your career. Cause that at least gets you on the 53 and that gets you active on Sundays. And then that gets you an opportunity to mix in some offensive plays. And just, he was just, a, it was an awkward position for him. So let's, let's get off wide receivers. Well, actually, before we get off wide receivers, let's just say one thing, Rodney Adams, who I think was a big fan, had a great, training camp, a lot of splash plays in the preseason is on the practice squad, but, you know, made the 53 man roster for a day before they made these moves. Uh, are you a Rodney Adams fan? And do you think maybe he can find his way to the active roster at some point this season? Well, I mean, you know, as well as I do, Bill, the NFL is, it's a war of attrition. Guys are going to get hurt. Marquise Goodwin inevitably is probably going to come up something soft tissue. I don't wish it on him. I love Marquise Goodwin, but just kind of the nature of who he's been in his career. Soft tissue injuries play guys that are based upon speed. Do I think Rodney Adams is particularly good? No, not really. Great story. Seems like a really nice guy. And, it, you know, especially when you find out he caught the touchdown pass the day after his uh, – his lady gave birth to his first child and he, you know, did the rocking of the baby up here, scored his sure. touchdown. You know, it's a great story, but you know, as well as I do that 
great stories don't mean good football players. You know, it, it's, it's a kind of a weird in between because I know you see them like, especially all over the Chicago bears end of Twitter feeling like they can't, that he kind of got a raw deal. Well, at the end of the day, players play stories. Don't. Yeah. Fair, look, fair, fair enough. I, I was hoping Adams would stick as the, as, as wide receiver six didn't happen, but you know, I'm, you know, I know he's, you know, as, as the time of the recording of this podcast, he's still floating in waivers, but I'm confident he'll be on the practice squad. But let's move on. I don't know if there's any need to really break down the running back position group. I think it's pretty <laughs> clear cut what happened there. We've got Monty, we've got Williams, uh, Khalil Herbert. I'm a, I'm a fan of him. I think that's a nice pickup. I think he could be a nice change of pace back. Ryan Knoll, I had on my 53 man projection for, for special teams purposes. He finds his way on the practice squad. Anything interesting to you in the running back group? And if not, let me ask you this, David Montgomery, do you expect a similar season that he had last year or better or worse? Um, maybe better in terms of efficiency, but I think it's going to be worse in terms of accounting stats, just because it's, Damian Williams, I think, is going to have a much larger role than people think. I think Khalil Herbert in limited touches is eventually going to show some stuff where you can't deny him getting on the field. And if there's one thing I think in terms of like the Andy Reid coaching tree has shown to do over the course of time is they believe in running back by committee a lot of times. Look at what Doug Peterson was doing in Philly the year they won the uh, Super Bowl. Look at what they're doing even now last year when they brought in Le'Veon Bell despite taking – uh, the kid from LSU, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, in the first round. You know, it, they believe in just here's a multifaceted attack. Different versions of what you're different versions of running back kind of keep you on your toes. And I mean, that's not to mention even before we get Tariq Cohen back in the fold, whenever he's off pup list and his knee is feeling better after presumably having that second surgery to clean up some scar tissue in that knee. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this running back group. There's plenty of position groups that we're going to get into it that, that are dreadful. I, I don't think the running back group is one of them. Let's jump over to tight end here. I've been a big uh, critic of Jimmy Graham this entire offseason. I don't understand why they wanted to. I understand he was a red zone target, but eventually these other guys need to become red zone targets, these Cole Komets and, and these guys you're developing. I get that with Jimmy Graham. I get he's a veteran presence. I get we want to run a lot of, you know, 12 personnel, but $10 million for Jimmy Graham just seems obscene, especially when you spent a second round pick on Cole Komet. So I'm not a fan of that decision there, uh, especially because the way the offensive line looks right now, Charles Leno would be a big help I, as much as Bears fans love to criticize him. Uh, but love the James pickup. It looks like he's going to be a, a nice contributor Holtz, you know, just kind of that versatile guy that can kind of do it all. And, and Horstead, I don't know if he made the team because of his, his preseason performance or if the Bears were planning on doing this all along. But I know they like Horstead and he's never quite found his way. What do you think of the, uh, the tight end group? So the tight end group is like the definition of I'm going to throw numbers at the problem, even though none of the guys within the numbers themselves <laughs> are all that good. Like even last year, I said it right when they picked Cole Komet, which I get again, nice stories from the Chicago area. He went to Notre Dame. He's a, you know, he's a tight end, which historically, you know, Bears fans love tight ends going all the way back to guys like Mike Ditka in the sixties. But I just never saw it with him. I thought he was a tall midget of sorts where 
he's a really good, he's a decent prospect in a really bad position group. Like literally right when they signed Jesse James, kind of like you, I was like, that's a nice ad because I can legitimately make the argument that he's the best guy in that room already by the, by just (laughs) showing up like, and I'm with you on Jimmy Graham. I don't know why he's here. I truly don't like, isn't your six, six, 200 and some odd 250 some odd pound second rounder that we just talked about supposed to be the guy in the red zone. If you took him with the what 45th pick in the draft or whatever it was like, it it seems almost redundant, but in er, in terms of like uh, JP Holtz, I think JP is kind of taking what Nall's spot was supposed to be because he, he's a four face special teamer as well. I believe you can line him up at fullback in a pinch. He's kind of just all over the place. I'm actually shocked he made the team, though, truthfully, just because I don't think he was practicing. He was just like, I didn't hear anything about him. I never saw anything posted about him. He just never seemed to be there. And all of a sudden, he's making the roster, presumably because of that added special teams value and the ability to almost double as a fullback. Yeah, um, I, I, absolutely. I think that versatility helped helped Holtz a lot. And you know, I said, I, I'm right there with you, Graham. And and I get it why you had him there last year. You want to say he was a mentor to Komet and all that. So that, that, that's, that's great and all. And, and you needed two tight ends. Splendid. But the fact that he's still here at that price tag to me is just ludicrous. Doesn't it, doesn't it almost feel like, though, the four out of the five tight ends, it almost feels like they're keeping backups to each specific one, like, like Jesper is Jimmy's backup and Jesse James is Cole Komet's backup. Like almost like they're trying to like keep the same kind of style of player behind each guy. Oh, I, like, I, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Absolutely. But I just, it just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. The only way it makes sense to me, and this is dangerous and, and, and I can't dare say this to a lot of bears fans. Maybe oh the bears aren't exactly thrilled behind closed doors with where Cole Komet is at this point, And they were afraid to give him the keys to the position. I mean, it's, it's hard to ignore that subject. How do you go out and sign a guy like Jesse James without feeling that certain type of way? And immediately when Jesse James gets here, he's presumably making plays in practice by, Oh, you see, you see I mean, you saw all the weird hookups because Justin, Justin Fields is always with the second and third team of, John Vea Johnson and Jesse James. It was like, those were his two favorite targets going through camp. It's like, what a strange occurrence. And, <laughs> and meanwhile, your second round pick isn't getting run with the ones either because, well, it's Jimmy Graham's job still at the moment. It's, it's just all very strange. The, the story or the, the situation surrounding Cole Komet, because you, I, I was hoping a part of the jump that I thought was, plausible was because he was never a full-time football player up until really last year. And then with COVID-19 and the pandemic, I thought maybe I was wrong, but it's just, it feels like it's more of the same, especially when the way the few highlights he had in preseason was the same things he was getting last year at the regular season, where it's these little play action boots and he's catching the ball two line, two yards in front of the line of scrimmage. It's like, where is this, you know, second round stud, right? And it's, just, it's gotten just frustrating, I guess. Yeah, no, that's – and yeah, tight end group is definitely frustrating uh, among the offensive groups. Offensive line, though, I think will definitely be considered more frustrating than that. There is just piles and piles of question marks up and down this offensive line. 
As of right now, they've gone with nine offensive line on the 53. Simmons makes the ninth spot. I thought the Bears were only going to go with eight because to me, Simmons could be on the practice squad. No one's poaching Lachavia Simmons. He's perfectly safe over there. I think that roster spot would be better suited elsewhere. But as of now, they're keeping Simmons on the active roster with Borum and Wilkinson and Bars. And we know the starting five which has question marks. I think Peters is going to be okay. He's looked pretty good so far. I know he's got some conditioning issues and stuff. He's 39, I think 39, and, you know, just got signed off the street a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. But I've got a giant question mark. I, I have a question mark with Mustafer, and I have a giant question mark with Fetty. I didn't like bringing him back. I don't think he's anything special. And his last performance in the pre, I know it's just preseason, but his last performance was woeful. I agree. And it, it, it's the whole way the line was handled is really strange. You no, know, like from the trade up after you traded up the first time for, for Jenkins, who he's now on IR, he might not even play a snap this year. I mean, if you're lucky, you maybe you get him back week 12 when you feel comfortable after he's back from his back surgery somewhere along, along there. And then like, you never brought in competition for Sam Mustafer. The whole thing was very strange. Then you're conceivably after, you know, our, our colleague at Windy City Gridiron did his little line breakdown. Lester said in his first snaps after being on a lake fishing, Jason Peters is the guy that shows up and is your best lineman. And he was on his couch or in his or in his boat fishing. I mean, <laughs> it, it just it spells disaster. I think, and I I want to have some hope about the interior because I still think very highly of James Daniels, rightfully or wrongfully, because. You know, you go back to what he was in Iowa and even like early on when he handled Aaron Donald a couple of years back, it's like it's hard to let go of certain things because, you know, the talent is there. But I think the other issue with the line is and maybe you you have a similar pref or similar thought process as I do. I think a lot of the development pr- problems along the line came from they never let these guys stay in one position. They're always flipping sides. They're always moving positions. It's like. Let him stay somewhere. White yeah. was the left guard. Then he was a center. Now he's the left guard again. Then he was at right guard for a while. James Daniels, same thing. He was a left guard. He's a center. He's a right guard. It's like, how do you expect any continuity? I get the, the notion that, oh, right guard and left guard, same position, essentially. But it's a reworking of all your motor skills and your behavior sure. of which way you're going. It's, it's really just kind of... Sh- Frust- again, frustrating. Yeah, and they're doing I, it again with Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't like the way they've handled the interior line in terms of playing musical chairs. I, I think a lot of it came down to the fact that they couldn't figure out who they wanted at center, right? They brought in Daniels to be the center. They wanted him to have a rookie year at guard before they moved him to center. Doesn't seem like Daniels quite had the line calls down, struggled with that. Trubisky didn't help him out with that either. White hair, he's like you said, he's a guard, he's the center, he's got snap issues. Then they try Mustafer, and he does he does okay. I don't. We'll see how much if Sam added enough muscle to really start moving guys off the line this this season. We'll we'll, we'll see if that works. But yeah, there's there's just not a lot of continuity. And and now like like you brought up Tevin Jenkins. Let's say he does get back for Week Twelve. Well, all we heard about is how he was moving the left tackle. Well, you're not moving Jason Peters. He's been playing left tackle for 17 years. You're going to suddenly move him out of the right <laughs> side. That's not happening. So is Jenkins going to back up? Are you going to bench Peters? You're going to put Jenkins back on the right side. 
it, they don't really seem to have it. There's no clear cut. I just, if, if I can get into Juan Castillo's brain, it just does not seem like he says, this is the line I want when everyone's healthy. It's kind of like, I think this might work. It just doesn't seem like he has a definitive plan. No, and it, and it might be just because all the bodies there are at their very best, kind of just okay. Like, I, I had hope at one point that 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 Whitehair was a really good player, and they paid him as if he was a really good player, and he has since regressed since getting his money. Like, and to your point, I mean, if they bring if if Tevin Jenkins is able to make it back through the season, I would sooner just put him on the right side because I'm not sure. I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, Jermaine Fady has been nothing short of awful this preseason, and that that was the guy everyone was talking about. As soon as he gets back off pup, he'll be it'll be a godsend to the line. It's like everyone forgot that Seattle let him walk, and he was a first round tackle pick a few years ago. And, and like, he got signed last year for the league minimum. Nobody minimum. wanted him. <laughs> right. So it's like if you're if your godsend and your savior is a guy who probably still kind of just sucks, and we're all basing this off of one Juan Castillo quote of oh, maybe he's gonna be a pro bowler. Cool. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I, I'm with you. And, and white hair to me is a guy who's a great piece of a good line. I think when he's surrounded by good players, like honestly, and, and I, I don't want to dive into Leno too much because I know where that ends up. But um, <laughs> when white hair was next to, to Leno, like he plays better when he's next to a good player. Hopefully Peters can, can elevate him a little bit because, yeah, he just – when you have to rely on him to be like the number one guy on the line, it's, it's not good. Uh, but we've been talking about Jenkins. We haven't really talked about Borum yet. And, and I just want to bring up a, a Ryan Pace quote from, from his post 53 man roster press conference, where he said that Jenkins and Borum, they had similar grades on the two guys. Go. I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it does? It's two-pronged. It's implying to your fan base that you think we're all stupid because you got one in the fifth round and one was supposed to be, a, at one point, a top 20-25 pick in, in, in Jenkins and fell for the now obvious reasons. And two, it makes you look like an idiot because you traded extra draft capital to go up and get Tevin Jenkins when Borum would have just been sitting there for you. If they were truly that close... Why'd you go up and get one? So it, it's clearly just trying to stoke the, the, the not a fady, the, the Borum hive to make him feel better. But go watch the last tape of the game. He was bad. He got punished. He's, he, he might, I heard uh, one of my, my uh, co-hosts from Rule of Three, Brandon, kind of compare him to Travis Gibson last year where he's kind of just a red shirt. You hope he develops and Gibson has flashed very well this preseason. Um, I thought much higher of Gibson coming out of Tulsa than I ever thought of Borum. I thought Borum was kind of just big and got in the way, which at its core, yes, that is kind of being an offensive lineman just get in the way, but it, it, there's so much more to it than that. And I actually projected Borum more on the inside than I did the outside when evaluating his tape. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Borum. I thought that to pitch him inside was, was the better move. And, and even if you're not, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a tape watcher and, and you don't break down tape, I implore you to do one thing. Just go find any game of Tevin Jenkins at Oklahoma State. 
and go find any game of Larry Borum at Missouri where they're featured and just watch them. Just watch them for like 10 minutes each. You do that and you tell me how in the world Ryan Pace and his team of scouts had the same grade on both. They're not even in the same hemisphere. Now, we haven't gotten to one offensive uh, group here, and that's the quarterback position, Danny, but we're going to save that for last just to torture the, the listeners of this podcast. Let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. Defensive line, I don't think we need to break it down too much, but the one thing I will say is out of all the position groups, I think defensive line is probably their strongest position group. I think they've, they've, they've got depth there. They've got talent. They've got ability. I mean, if Hicks can, can bounce back a little bit, I know age is an issue, but if Hicks can bounce back a little bit off his season last year, even if he's the same guy he was last year, between Hicks and Goldman, I, I like the depth. Tonga's flashed a little bit. I, I like kind of what I've seen out of him in, in, in little bits and pieces. What do you think of the defensive line group? Oh, the defensive line, you said it, it's – not it's not maybe their best position group it is their best position group it's clearly the one thing dating back to when pace got here it's the one thing he can identify i mean he identified or identifying spades is what i should say he's he's got his other places where he's pretty good but nowhere near no one nowhere else touches the defensive line play um hicks was his identification you know what five six seasons ago now like, sure. so he, it's like Bilal Nichols is going to get extended. You know, it's, it's inevitable. You have to extend that guy. It sounds like Akeem Hicks might be getting extended again for some strange reason, but that's neither here nor there. But overall, Goldman's back and Goldman looked like a menace in that final preseason game. Yes, he did. He was, he, he is, I, I said it last year and I kind of made the joke of, you know, fat guys matter. Because so many people wanted to assume that, oh, Goldman sitting out the season wasn't going to matter so much. And it clearly did. It makes everyone's life harder. Now, and I think depending on how they deploy Robert Quinn is I would even throw him as a defensive lineman because he said it again this offseason. He doesn't want to play in space. He doesn't care about playing in space. He wants to put his hand in the dirt, run the arc, bend the corner, and go get the quarterback. That's what he does one thing. He wants to be a, what, a $10 million a year pass for a specialist. And that's fine as long as you, you know, get the quarterback. So it's, I don't think it's really close kind of to put the bow on it. You know, the, the defensive line is crazy deep. It's crazy good. And if you want any chance about be, of, of being anything more than an average defense, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols, Robert Quinn to, a, to an extent, depending on how they deploy him this year, they are the guys that are going to have to come come to play every week. Well, since you brought up Quinn, let's jump over to the edge guys led by Khalil Mack. Quinn, like you said, hopefully they use him where he's just in a better space for what he wants to do and what he does best. Because if Quinn has another season like he had last year, I mean, that, that's just going to be a, a, an absolute dreadful spot on, on the roster. But what, you know, edge group, what do you think of the group overall? We mentioned Gibson a little bit already. And let me just ask you, Khalil Mack, you know, when you look at the PFF grades, when, when you look at the rankings, you know, he's right up there still at the top of, of, of best players in the NFL, best edge player, best defensive player, whatever you want to look at. Mm-hmm. But the statistics haven't been there. He's not getting home the last two years. 
as much as he is. Do you think this is just offense is focusing on him? Do you think he has been banged up a little bit? Do you think what, what do you think the issue has been with Mac? And it, does he get to the spot where he gets home more often and makes some more splash plays? I think he does, because I think, like I said, um, I think we're in for some something kind of special from Travis Gibson where he's I think he's going to get six to seven sacks himself, which is going to inevitably take take pressure off of Mac and Quinn and Goldman and Nichols and Hicks and all these guys. But it's all dependent upon like who because typically a lot of uh, his his um, production has come when he's lined up off the hip of Hicks and they're kind of both de- destroying one side of the line. And it's kind of pick your poison. Which one are you going to guard? I I do tend to agree with you that it looks like he may have lost maybe a quarter to an eighth of a step where he, it feels like he's the, I almost got him guy. Or he, uh, I almost got him. And it's like, he's disrupting enough, but it's also, I think kind of a part of what the NFL is doing too, right? Where the ball is coming out faster and faster and faster. It's why I think going forward, you're going to see interior disruptors like Aaron Donald, for instance, are going to become the almost the most sought after position on the defensive defensive front here going forward. Because if you can collapse the pocket from where they can't step up into it and just deliver a strike on a three-step drop, you're making life just so much more difficult. So to answer your question though, about, about Mac, I still think he's probably one of the three to four best defenders individually in football, because a lot of what he does, even just setting the edge and taking away the run game, like, no, it's not sexy, but he's really good at it. And he's still a really good pass rusher. He's just not an elite pass rusher to this point anymore. I mean, it, it, it is frustrating because when you're paying Mac, what is it, twenty some twenty two million dollars this year or some, something to that something effect? Like that, yeah, yeah. It's you want him at twelve to fifteen sacks, not yeah. nine and a half like he yeah. had last year. It's That's, there's no other way around it. So he, I want him to get to double digits this year. I think he could, and he should. It's just a matter of does how does everything else line up around him? Because you can't expect one guy to keep carrying everything. He's shown he can still do it. I mean, the Tampa Bay game is evident with it when Tom Brady is looking up at him like, oh, my God, you again? Go away. (laughs) But but it's just – Yeah, he'll still get those splash plays, like you said, the Tampa game, and he, he, you know, uh, basically suplexed Werfs and all that. And, you know, he choke-slammed Riley Ridley. He went through, what, three (laughs) Lions blockers to nail Stafford a couple years ago. You still see those plays. You know he has it. But yeah, just he's just not getting home quite as much. But he is still obviously yeah. a huge part of this defense and and one of the best players in the league still. Uh, linebacker group Roquan, we know he's an excellent player, great in coverage. Lining up alongside him, Danny Trevathan goes on the IR. I have a feeling it's just kind of like let's just throw Danny on the IR kind of a thing and let's <laughs> see what Alec Ogletree has. Uh, you know, Trevathan, he got better as the season went on last year, but he was woeful in coverage to start the year. At this point in his age, it kind of seems like he's just a two-down thumper at this point, and they need something else there. What do, what do you think of this linebacker position? I'm with you 100% on Danny T, and I'm of the camp that I didn't think extending him last year was the worst thing in the world until, like, I don't know, three-quarters of the way through the season. It was just like, he's just slow. and kind of heavy for what he used to. Cause remember he was an undersized linebacker. Now he looks like he's puffy now. 
And I'm not sure if that was to become the more two down thumper ish because he knew that they needed the more Mike style next to next to Roquan, who tends to have the the age old problem of, well, if the lineman or the fullback gets to the second level, he's kind of washed out of the play, which they're not exactly wrong. But it's also the most oddly carried position, right, Bill? Like there's what, seven of them? So like, I think they want to see Alec Ogletree in the starting lineup, which is why I think Trevathan going to IR makes total sense as the phantom injury, as it were. It's like the baseball thing when, like, oh, he's had, he had a bad outing. He's got shoulder fatigue. <laughs> Throw him on the IL. Like, so I'm thinking that's what they want to see. Christian Jones, I actually think, was a nice bring back, if, if for nothing else, the special teams depth of it. Um, and he does have a little bit of linebacking versatility where you can line them up on the edge or inside. I think Joel E.A. Booneyway was kept here again for the same reason, the, the, the special teams factor. Even though in that last game he did have – made, some, made a couple plays. <laughs> yeah, he, he was playing like his hair was set on fire and he just was hitting everybody for, for a spell there. And I don't know how Josh Woods made this team. Um, I actually didn't mind Caleb Johnson making the 53-man roster. I thought he looked all right in sporadic time. But it's just such a strange number, especially given the the league the way it is anymore. It's no longer a running league. and hasn't been for probably 15 years, you know, outside of a player here or there like Derrick Henry or Adrian Peterson. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, think... I mean, it's just such an odd – it's an oddly constructed 53-man roster the more you look at it. Yeah, I, I think the seven linebackers was strange with Trevathan on the IR that six. And I think, I, I don't know, but I think the corresponding Perriman move is going to be Caleb Johnson. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. Probably. That, but that, that just, it makes sense to me that he'll take up. The, mm-hmm. the Bears still have some open practice squad spots. It just seems like that that's where he'll he'll end up. Let's jump over to the secondary because there's a whole lot of questions there. You know, we can spend some time on the safety group if you want, but that that was pretty much straightforward where that was going to end up. The cornerback position has all sorts of just horrifying ideas. Um, you know, especially <laughs> when you look at how important slot positions have become for passing games and that Duke Shelley and Marquis Christian seem to be the two guys that are going to be handling the nickel. I got a lot of questions here, and, and I don't think the Bears have a lot of answers. This is like this position group reminds me of like when I asked my my lovely lady if she wants to go out for dinner and I give her a bunch of options and she says, nah, none of those sound good. So it's like what I'm getting at is I'm trying to find answers, but they're presenting nothing but problems. And there's no <laughs> there's nothing here. Like Jalen Johnson's cool, but I, I, I was talking to Robert. Robert Schmitz about it I'm our, on the previous recording that I was on with rule of three. He's the yeah, but guy, I feel like no matter how good you think he's going to be, he's there's always going to be the yeah, but he's hurt. It's his shoulder. It's his knee. It's his, it's always going to be something. It feels like with him because it, it's already happening again, this camp where he's been held out for shoulder stuff or whatever it might be for, you know, it's only spells here and there, but it's frustrating because he needs reps. If he's going to be that, that corner one, and then they seemingly just kind of handed Kendall Vildor the corner two spot. And I don't think he's really any good. I'd like them better as a potential inside slot guy. 
Duke Shelley, God only knows how he made the team. I don't know if he has dirt on one of the coaches or whatever, but he wasn't just – Bill, when I tell you he wasn't just bad in preseason, he was awful. And I, I didn't mind Shelley. I thought, you know, he's kind of got some of that, like, I'll call it like Tim Jennings, Donnell Wolford thing, where it's like he's scrappy, he plays really hard, and he's really fired up and just doesn't mean he's good. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to, like, go through the – like, I'm going through them. They brought back Marquis Christian. Like, I, I would probably start him at nickel. And they brought back Artie Burns. So the two guys they cut and brought back in a span of – 24-ish hours, I would probably start Artie Burns outside instead of Kendall Vodor, too. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Artie Burns, but I, I do agree with you. I think even if Burns isn't dubbed a starter, he's going to be sitting, that shadow is going to be right behind Vildor. And and the nickel, nickel spot, I, I agree with you. I, I would go with Christian. Not that I'd sit there and go, yes, Marquee Christian, but based on what I've seen, I've got a ton of question marks about Shelly. And like you said, you give the, the, the restaurant options and none of them sound good. Well, then you sit there and you go, all right, well, then let's just eat this rancid chicken that's been you know, a week and a half past its expiration date in the refrigerator. Like that's that's where we're at. I mean, there's just, I, you know. Jalen Johnson may end up looking like he has a tremendous year because quarterbacks will never have to throw at him with the amount of wide open guys. I have a feeling you're going to be having from the other positions. I, I think their defensive back position and how they're going to cover is a giant question mark, and they don't have anything that they can bring up. Like I, I, I don't see anyone where you sit there and say, Oh, this guy, he, he needs more development and four or five games in, he's really going to come into his own. I've got a lot of questions here. And, and I just think, this is going to be one you of those what, things where the defensive line just needs to be getting home quickly. Constantly. And you know what makes it so much more frustrating is Eddie Jackson, and I think you agree with me on this, was not good last year. I know there are some that try to stand up for him. And, you know, it, Eddie Jackson's awesome or should be awesome. I've always liked Eddie Jackson dating back to before he broke his leg at Alabama. But you're making his job harder when he's going to have to almost freelance in a sense to cover for a bum ass nickel and a really bad outside corner. Like he really can only trust one other guy in that secondary of the five that are going to be out there 65 plus percent of the time. Like yeah. do, do, do any of us really feel good about Tashawn Gibson back there? Like sure. he had one game where people are going to talk about, and that was the playoff game. And other than that, he's kind of just there. He's a buy. Right. Yeah, no, look, and, and that's the thing is when, you know, and, and Eddie Jackson is going to be the same way. I understand if we can get him back there and playing center field, maybe he can make some plays on some, some, some deep balls and things like that. But this defense is constructed in such a way that if the defensive line does not get to the quarterback quickly, if Matt Quinn, Hicks, Nichols, if that whole group, you know, Edwards, if that whole group is not getting home and causing pressure and disrupting, quarterbacks are just, they're going to find open guys and they're going to be able to avoid Eddie. They're going to be able to avoid Jalen because there's just not enough talent in the secondary. Yeah. And uh, you think it, like you kind of, we've already kind of talked about the strange construction of the 53 man. You have to imagine another defensive back is coming. Like you don't carry that many tight ends or that many, you know, inside linebackers, especially off ball ones. Like without, Without kind of the inclination that you want to add someone. I mean, I, I don't think he's particularly good, but the Jets just cut their starting corner earlier today, like bless Austin. 
25 years old, 6'2", long corner. I mean, maybe. Maybe that's someone they have their eye on. I have no idea. Yeah, and look, I, I, just, uh, I, I made a joke in a, in a conversation earlier today, but, but it is something to keep an eye on. You can put 16 guys on the practice squad. They currently have 13, assuming Rodney Adams is 14. The corresponding move to Perriman is 15. They still have an open practice squad position which means they obviously could just go and sign someone additionally beyond that. But that also means they could make another move to the active roster and bump someone else down to the, the practice squad. So maybe they're still thinking of things they can do, but I, I agree. The secondary is bad for lack of uh, too much detail. Now let's jump over to the quarterback position. Um, you know, Nick Foles, the only thing to say about Nick Foles is he's making life difficult on the Bears because he turned down a trade to the Eagles. And yes, he does not have a no trade clause. But when your agent calls the Eagles and said, Nick doesn't want to be there, if you trade for him, he's not going to be happy. When you're talking about acquiring a player of the ilk of Nick Foles, that's not going to get Howie Roseman to pull the trigger on a deal like that. So it seems like Nick Foles only wants to go to the Colts and the Colts don't want Nick Foles. So the Bears are stuck with Nick Foles and that awful contract. So the 2020 offseason certainly biting the Bears there. But that aside, <laughs> Dalton and Fields, Dalton's going to be getting the start for at least week one. I think it'll be a little bit longer than that. What do you think of the Dalton Fields saga we've had here in the month of August? Um, is it wrong that I kind of see both sides of it? No. Like, that's where I'm kind of at. Like, do I fully agree that he's the better player. Yes. Do I also fully agree that every NFL defense has dudes that every quarterback in the NFL should be afraid of? Also, yes. I also understand the line isn't getting better at any point in time this year. It's at, at its absolute best. You're probably talking about a slightly below average line at its worst. You're talking about the worst line in football. Like, all that being said, I also think there's something to be said if you did, if they do choose to sit him, which it definitely sounds like they will, of mental reps and seeing how a pro carries himself. Because you know Fields is that guy who's – even if – I don't believe that quarterbacks are mentors. I believe that these guys are all competitors to the highest degree and that no one's teaching anyone anything. Like, remember the old narrative was always Brett Favre was teaching Aaron Rodgers. Brett Favre never taught Aaron Rodgers anything. And they've both come out and said that since – yeah. Both of them. Not just so, Rodgers. Farmer's like, I, I didn't want him anywhere anywhere near me. So so it's more or less he's going to be watching Andy and seeing the habits and, the, and, and everything like that. Justin Fields is good. He's better than Dalton. Should he start right away? I can be talked into it, but I also can understand why they would want to sit him. It's, it's a weird place to be because I think there's, there's nuances to it that you're either on one side or the other. And I'm kind of just in the middle, like, they start them great if they don't okay i get it because you're not winning anything this year and i always i always try to bring up the justin herbert thing last year like, yes he was forced into duty by malpractice of tyrod taylor getting his lung collapsed in la for the chargers <laughs> like but they won six games and and justin herbert had not the not one of the best rookie quarterback seasons of all time he had the best rookie quarterback season of all time and they won six games. Yeah, the, the oh. reps the reps matter. So whether so so the are the rookie quarterbacks seldom win don't win anything is my point. And yes, the reps matter. But with the extra game, is there really much difference between him starting week one and like week four against the Lions? 
those like 90 or so pass attempts, I, I don't know that there is. And that's why I kind of get maybe not throwing him to the wolves right away, which all things being equal, Bill, I think you would agree. <laughs> he might get thrown out there after one series against LA because, uh, because Andy Dalton was made into tomato soup. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say it. And I think they got the, I think they found their quarterback of the future pretty strongly. Not, not anywhere near like, I never felt this strongly about Mitch. I was only 16 when Jay Cutler was acquired by the bears. And that was like the best day of my life. And Jay Cutler for all his weirdness and things off the field that I don't think we should get into. I enjoyed him as a player. I never thought he got a fair shake this, that, the other, but this is, in my lifetime, and probably your lifetime too, the best shot they've ever had at a legitimate franchise-changing quarterback. And I can understand why Matt Nagy is handling it the way he is because of the Mahomes situation. But they're not the same because Dalton's not Smith. I'm just saying I see the middle ground. That's all. Yeah, yeah no, and, and here, here's the thing. And like you're saying, Dalton's not Smith. Not only that, the Kansas City Chiefs were expected to be a playoff team that year, and they were a playoff team that year. That was the expectation. Alex Smith was a good quarterback, and that's that's what they did. The Chicago Bears, and I understand this team has made the playoffs, you know, you know, last season. I I, I get that. They snuck in at eight and eight. And would I love to see this team go nine and eight and sneak into the playoffs again? Sure. Especially being there's no first round pick next year. But this team is probably like a seven and ten. Six and 11 team would be my guess. And in terms of when to play fields, I'm not, look, I'm definitely in the camp of whatever's best for Justin Fields this season. Is playing Justin Fields in the final game of the season only, which is what Patrick Mahomes did his rookie year, what's best for Justin Fields? Absolutely not. You cannot convince me of that any which way. But let's let's just use the one example of the, the, the play where Fields had where his helmet got popped off on the sack. That was 95% likely completely Justin Fields' fault. It's possible Herbert was supposed to block that guy before he went out into the flat, but Fields did not recognize that there were two guys, st- they were in man coverage and there were two guys s- stacked up on the receiver. He didn't recognize it, so he didn't see it, didn't change the line call play, and he got crushed. Like That's the type of stuff that he needs to continue to learn and be better at. And, you and know, I, go yeah, ahead. I agree with that. And I think that's something a lot of like, it's such a, almost like a taboo subject. No one wants to admit that mental reps and seeing it on film and seeing a veteran go through it does have a benefit. Everyone only thinks the reps matter when you're in live game action on the field. And that's just not the truth. If you get, if you get someone in the film room, you start teaching them things when they see it out there, they're going to be less inclined to make that mistake again. Right. And, and I'm with you. I, I don't have a problem if field sits for a few games and, you know, look, it, this is, this offense has a lot of ins and outs and what have you. So, you know, it's not, not a simple offense to pick up for a rookie coming right, right out of the gate. I don't have a problem if he sits for a few games. I, I think I said this on Twitter that I think the lions game honestly is the game that makes the most sense because you get the Lions game and the Raiders, you get those back to back. One of them's at home to kind of let fields get his feet wet in the NFL. Then he's got the Packers looming there, but that to me makes a lot of sense. 
Andy Dalton against the Rams, let him get pummeled by Aaron Donald. And I know the Bears aren't sitting there going, I don't want Fields to play Aaron Donald. That's not how an NFL team thinks. But you're not going to bench Andy Dalton after we, unless he has five interceptions, you're not going to bench him against the Bengals. That's just going to embarrass him. And then at that point, then it's Cleveland and then it's Detroit. So I think Detroit at home makes a lot of sense in week four. I don't have a problem with how they're handling this right now. But if it continues to go and, you know, the Bears are sitting there at, you know, whatever it be, one and two, and they don't go to, to, to fields and they just keep this thing going and going and they're three and five, four and six, whatever it might be, and fields continues to be on the bench, that's what I'm going to get frustrated as a Bears fan. Right. That, and that's where I'm with you. I don't want him to sit all year. At a certain point, he does got to be thrown to the wolves, as it were. But I do think there's a smarter trajectory in which to throw him out there because I don't think they're winning anything this year. That That's what the nature of it is. If I thought that they were just in fields away from being a potential contender, then yeah, throw him out there week one. I just don't. The team isn't good enough. The team is, what, the second – or the second to oldest roster in the league behind only Tampa Bay. And that Tampa is probably only older than them because of the guy playing quarterback. Like, it's just not a roster built to compete right now. And everything going forward only matters because of, or the only guy that truly matters for that offense going forward is number one, because I, I, I wanted to believe guys like Allen Robinson were going to be back past this year. And I just don't believe that anymore. Well, I, I, I still think I'm, I know I'm in the minority here. I think Allen Robinson has a better chance to return than most, especially if field gets out there for 10, 12 games, looks good and has a good camaraderie with, with uh, fields and Robinson on the field. I think there's an opportunity there because I think Allen Robinson does like being in Chicago. I know pace and company have pissed him off right now, but the NFL is a business. And if the contract is what you're looking for, it'll bury the hatchet really quick. But to me, you know, just kind of summing this up here before I let you go. This roster is a let's patchwork and see what we can do to try and go eight and nine, nine and eight. So we, so Nagy and Pace can keep their jobs. They'll have some cap space. Now, again, they've got some people to sign. Roquan Smith's going to be expensive, et cetera. But they'll have some cap space next year to kind of maneuver this roster a little bit. They're not worried about trying to get the best possible draft position because they've got no first round pick and picking 38th and 45th in the, in the second round doesn't matter that much. So to me, this is, let's see if we can patchwork a team together, win as many games as possible, keep our jobs and then go all in on 2022. That's to me what this roster is. I agree with you. And to, I know we had talked a little bit offline about it, um, but I can totally see what you mean where, it might've been more beneficial for the long term if they had just kept Rodney Adams on the roster and just seen if he's an NFL player versus signing 27 going on 28 year old Brashad Perriman, who likely isn't here past this season, but they're they're They clearly think they're trying to compete for something. What that is. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what it is either, but Really, we're not going to have anything come into uh, a clear picture till we see exactly what Justin's Fields is when he gets on the field, and we don't know when that's going to be. So there he is. Thanks for so much time. At Dan Meehan 90 on Twitter. Again, the Rule of Three podcast and the Lunch Pail podcast as well. Dan, thanks so much for jumping on. Really appreciate it. And we will talk to you again. Thanks for having me, Bill. 
All right, there he is, Danny Meehan from Windy City Gridiron's Rule of Three podcast. All right, so that is the first Bears banter in a while in the books, but we're going to be back every week now throughout the regular season. Going to kind of do a season preview next week, a little bit of a week one preview, and then we'll be jumping in with all the regulars that we do the last couple seasons here on the Windy City Gridiron podcast channel. So you'll be hearing from, from hopefully some great guests and some obnoxious comments from me, and we will see what happens with the 2021 Chicago Bears. Again, I'm not expecting much. I'm saying 7-10, and 10, and I just don't see the Bears really having that. I just don't see this team being 10-7, and 11-6. I think the best-case scenario is they're 9-8 they're and eight and squeaking into the playoffs again as the 7th seed. I think that is the absolutely best-case scenario. So we will talk to you again next week. Bear down, everybody. Adios. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.